You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. On the day the San Francisco 49ers drafted Trey Lance, I said on air, they were playing chess while everybody else was playing checkers with an understanding of a Super Bowl caliber roster and how a young player could develop and eventually take those reins. Since that day, people have been trying to find a way to make it complicated. And today, the 49ers reminded us why they are one of the smartest organizations in the NFL. And no matter how other people see it, the 49ers today did the absolute best thing for their football team. It's Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. I'm Jason Fitz, flying solo tonight. We got a lot that we're going to get you updated on. Serena Williams starting up her match right now against Donka uh, Kovinich. Uh, we will keep you updated on what that looks like as we get more information on the match. But the big news breaking this afternoon is that Jimmy G, the man, the myth, the legend, the beautiful quarterback in San Francisco, has agreed to a restructured one-year contract that will keep him in San Francisco this season, according to ESPN's Adam Schefter. The contract contains, importantly, a no-trade clause and a no-tag clause in it. So that means that they can't just willy-nilly start shipping him off, of course, like in all sports. He could at some point decide to waive the no-trade clause, but for now, he would get to choose where he's going to go if he goes anywhere. And if everything falls off to the side this year, they cannot tag him to keep him next year and in exchange for doing that the 49ers are now giving him a 6.5 million dollar in base salary fully guaranteed he'll have some extra bonuses that he can also earn along the way now this information has caused a lot of people to start questioning Trey Lance and it starts a lot of people questioning what the 49ers are doing Twitter was doing it all over the place what is the plan some of my favorite colleagues at ESPN coming in saying, this is a strange look. No, it's not. This is brilliant. This is exactly what the 49ers needed to do. Because there is no could-be quarterback in the NFL bigger than Trey Lance. We haven't seen meaningful football from Trey Lance in years at this point. We don't know what he's going to look like against the NFL competition. We got no idea. But we do know that the 49ers have a Super Bowl-caliber roster. We do know that the 49ers believe they are in a window to win right now. So why not protect yourself? Are you really going to try and convince me? Are you telling me that we believe a starting quarterback in the NFL is so soft that he needs to have a safe place that he can go hang out with Care Bears to cuddle? He can't handle competition in the room? He already beat Jimmy G for the job. So the guy that restructured the deal that's staying in the building is a guy that already got his ass kicked. If I'm Jimmy G, I don't care about that for one second. At what point did we start like conveying our own softness on the mentality of quarterbacks in the NFL? If you're MVP candidate, it's not that long ago, what, two weeks ago? I got everybody smarter than me telling me he's an MVP candidate. And now all of a sudden we got to worry about an MVP candidate's ability to handle somebody else in the room? Come on. Look, this doesn't change anything for Trey Lance. doesn't change anything for the 49ers. Don't believe me? Adam Schefter was clear about it. ESPN NFL insider on Kenny and Carlin today when he talked about the plan for the 49ers with their young quarterback. I'm telling you the plan, if Trey Lance is healthy, is to have Trey Lance at quarterback. He's their quarterback. Jimmy's the two. They've made it clear that they moved on to him. This is a matter of the 49ers and Jimmy Garoppolo 
basically deciding that this is their best option for both sides right now. And it is the best option for both sides. Spain and Fitz, ESPN Radio, Jason Fitz flying solo tonight. You start thinking about what this means for both sides, great. If you're Jimmy G, you've now made sure you don't have to go through this chaos next year. Well, that's perfect. If you're the 49ers, I'll go to Chris Mortensen, the great, at Mort Report, 41 minutes ago on Twitter. If Trey Lance isn't ready, 49ers can't worry about saving face if he doesn't progress early in the season. You do the right thing for a team that fell just short of a Super Bowl. If Lance does emerge, then Jimmy G has secured his freedom for 2023. It's that simple. And in the process, oh, by the way, what's the checkmate move? The checkmate move is you got a team in your own division in the Seattle Seahawks that just named Geno Smith the starter, and you kept Jimmy G away from him. Oh, that checkmate right there. Whatever it takes to keep him in the building that gives you the insurance policy you need and also keeps him from playing for a division rival. That's why I've been saying this would happen for months. You know me. If you listen to the show at all, you know, it's rare that I just, you know, down the halls, throw my own personal parade, uh, championing when I'm right. This is one of those rare opportunities. Because as we do so often, we made something really simple, something stupid complicated. Why? If you are the San Francisco 49ers, all you had to do was look around the landscape and say, wait, we can't let Jimmy go to Seattle. We know that. We don't want to put him anywhere in the NFC if we can avoid it right now. We don't want the egg on our face of finding out that we don't have the guy at quarterback. We believe we have the guy at quarterback, but we'd love to get him more reps. We want to make sure. We want to protect our organization. They did all that. And if Trey Lance can't handle that, then they don't have their starting quarterback no matter how he plays on the field. If he can't handle this moment, if he can't handle Jimmy G being in the building when he already squarely beat him for the job, then he's not a superstar quarterback. And if you're the 49ers, you got to find that out now. On the field, off the field, in the meeting rooms, the way he handles himself, the way he does everything. You've got to find out now if you've got your guy. And if you don't, your fallback plan is a plan that's gotten you to the Super Bowl. Your fallback plan almost got you to the Super Bowl last year. Your fallback plan? Man, he's going to have every vested interest to go out and slay it this year because he's going to get paid somewhere next year if he's able to show that he can stay healthy and he can play. None of this changes for Trey Lance. Stan Graziano, ESPN NFL insider, said this on Greeny about how the 49ers view their young quarterback. Very inexperienced. Played one game his last year in college, so they're going to have to work through it. They think they have a good enough roster around him to sustain it. Kyle Shanahan's the kind of coach that can mitigate the flaws, the inevitable bumps in the road. So that's who they're putting their faith in. I don't know what they have on the offensive line besides Trent Williams. I think the defense could be really good. I think they're a little bit of a mystery team, but I this whole idea of like Trey Lance being a, a suddenly popular MVP, I don't think this is the year for that. It's important to remember the context of everything that goes into it. We, as a society, are quarterback obsessed. Because we're quarterback obsessed, everything that we see from every single angle of every team has to be about how it impacts their quarterback, what it means for that guy. And we decide along the way, what we think of quarterbacks' abilities to handle anything. What we know right now for Trey Lance is honestly nothing. 
We've seen preseason football. When all you've seen is preseason football and you're looking around on a roster that you know has a chance, if everything breaks right, to make a real run to the Super Bowl. Man, when all you've seen is preseason football in practice, if you have an opportunity to protect yourself in that situation with a backup you know you can rely on, you have an obligation to do that because that is what keeps your team moving forward. That's what keeps you in the hunt. And for the 49ers right now, they get the glorious opportunity this year to see if the kid can play. If he can, it's a win. And it's a win for Jimmy G who will go somewhere else next year. If he can't, then protecting themselves in this way will turn out to be the smartest move we saw this entire offseason. The 49ers know what, we're, what they're doing. It's up to all of the rest of us to step back and understand. They know these men in the building. They know how they tick. They know what makes them click. They know how to get the best out of both of these quarterbacks. For us to presume otherwise is a wild amount of lack of benefit of the doubt. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. We'll keep breaking down the Jimmy G thing from every possible angle, but... Leaving the United States of America wasn't even enough to help Scott Frost and the Nebraska Cornhuskers. I'm sure he wanted a Guinness after the game. But all of a sudden, it made me realize something. We need to change the way we think about a certain group of coaches in college football. I'm going to tell you about it next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Jason Fitz, flying solo. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. There was one game this weekend in college football that I knew I wasn't going to touch. One game I wasn't going to get anywhere near. And, you know, not to poke the belly of the beast, but I even found myself texting good friends, including Joe Fortenbaugh. Sorry, Joe. Love you. Saying there's no way I'm touching Nebraska Northwestern. Why? He got Nebraska and Northwestern in Dublin, a city where, I don't know, Jameson and Guinness have factories. And by the way, the legal drinking age in that country is 18. And we're going to trust that a bunch of things are going to go to plan for a college football game. Maybe the best part of that game is that apparently the transaction machine went down at some point in the game and they just started handing out Guinness because a lot of people needed one after they watched the way Nebraska blew that game. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. And uh, we're going to get you a little bit of Spain and Fitz Nation brought to you by Dr. Pepper. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. You can be a part of Spain and Fitz Nation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. ESPN Nation presented by Dr. Pepper. And college football season without the delicious taste of an ice cold Dr. Pepper, the one's fan deserves. Uh, by the way, Diet Dr. Pepper, by far uh, the superior product. But Devin, producer extraordinaire on this show, uh, you, you I, we're going to ask everybody to chime in. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. In week zero, did you have a, a, a bet over the weekend that you just sort of wish you had back? Because I think a lot of people looked at this game and thought, man, Northwestern's not usually very good. Nebraska is very good. It's going to work out. Devin, did you fall trapped to this uh, to this betting logic? Listen, week zero – it provided a time when football was back. And I, I'm not a big better on baseball. So I was like, I was waiting for this day because I was like, all right, let me get some action in. Um, and I, I looked at the slate and I saw everyone was very high on Nebraska. And in the back of my head, I'm thinking, why? And then the second thought was, I don't trust anybody. So I think the line was 11 and a half minus 11. I teased it down, Fitz, to minus six and a half. I'm thinking, okay. 
I don't buy into all this Nebraska hype, but I'm going to give myself – they're going to win by at least a touchdown, right? And we all know how that game went. You'll explain it in a minute. I lost I lost money on the Nebraska Cornhuskers, and, and after it happened, I'm like, why did I do this to myself? This is not the, smart. The problem is you got to look at Scott Frost in one-score games because the, the record's atrocious. It's the worst in all of uh, FBS since he came became coach at Nebraska. Uh, but also, I think Northwestern was getting a little bit of, a little bit slept on in this process. Helinski had a full year with the team, came back with a thousand yard rusher, Evan Hull, and uh, an offensive line that it was pretty heralded. So, you know, I think there was an opportunity for Northwestern, but it's really the close score aspect of it. Like we know that the Nebraska doesn't win any close games. So when you start thinking about not winning any close games, it was difficult for me to see Nebraska in this one. Now. There was a moment where I thought, wow, everybody else saw it right. Because in the first half, all of a sudden, you got a 28-17 lead in the third quarter, I should say. 28-17 midway through the third quarter. Not only that, but let me stress this for anyone that wasn't watching a game in Dublin between Nebraska and Northwestern. 28-17 that didn't feel that close. Nebraska had all the momentum. Their quarterback had made a couple of throws that are video game worthy, right? So all of a sudden, I'm thinking, they got this thing. They've got all the momentum. And then they decided to try an onside kick. Not only did they decide to try an onside kick, but as pointed out on the broadcast, you're not usually supposed to do that unless it's uh, the right look for the, the team on the other side. They kicked it straight to a running back. Like, of all the people I'm going to kick it to, probably not straight to a running back on the onside kick team. So uh, it didn't fool anybody. Northwestern easily recovers. It scores five plays later, and then they go on a run. And all of a sudden you find the opportunity. Northwestern turns around and wins. And, you know, Scott Frost was going to be asked. He was asked at the press conference. This is what he had to say about his questionable onside kick call. Uh, You know, in hindsight, it didn't work. So anytime something doesn't work, you want it back. We've been talking to the kids about being aggressive and attacking this thing for weeks, and I think they did that. Part of it was we had we had a couple things that we wanted to be aggressive on. We had one earlier that we wanted to see if we got the look we wanted, and we got a look that was really good for it. And I made that call, so that's on me. You know, at the at that point in the game, I thought all the momentum was on our side. I thought if we got it, we could end the game. And it, the way we were playing, uh, you know, I I felt at that point like. Uh, like we had a really good chance of winning the game and I felt like maybe we were the better team and you know you, you can't really foresee them scoring 14 straight uh, and us sputtering after we'd played well to start the second half on offense so again those are excuses if I had it over I wouldn't make the call I mean at some point you got to look at it and say did you need it and I hear everything he's saying and look we all got to be real if this works we're all saying yay yippee what a gutsy call if it doesn't work, then you're turning around saying, why did you do that? You've got to at some point understand, though, the situation you were in. You had him on the ropes. Why go for the desperation when you have him on the ropes? But that had me thinking. And I will credit uh, Jason and John on 92.9 in Memphis today. I was talking to the guys, and I had this revelation on air. We were doing an interview. I talked to them every Monday. Great guys. As we were talking, they said, why do mid-major coaches not have better success? Talking specifically not just about Scott Frost coming to Nebraska, but even look at Mike Norvell, for example, the Memphis coach that I've seen coach in Memphis. I know he can coach, but man, no faith in him at Florida State. And you look at it and you say, why? And it hit me. At some point, shouldn't we be talking about coaches the same way we talk about kids that play the game? 
so often when a kid is going from group of five to power five, right? When a kid is launching themselves from a lower level to a higher level, the first thing we say is, oh, I don't know, the level of competition is going to be much more difficult. Uh, Were you a man amongst boys? And will that even translate? And we see oftentimes that it doesn't. We've seen tremendously successful players in group of five or division three schools, division two schools, uh, get drafted later by the NFL because they're trying to figure out what to make of the level of competition they played against. When are we going to start asking the same question about coaches? Look, there's nothing sure for anybody. And you could certainly say, I'm going to take from the Nick Saban uh, assistant coaches tree and just see what happens. But realistically, I do think it's fair to say, hey, recruiting's totally different at this level. Budgets are totally different at this level. Staff levels are totally different. The number of people that you have to talk to every day, totally different. All of these aspects of the game are simply different. And sometimes even within the game, in-game management by coaches is going to be different at this level than it is at others. Maybe we need to stop presuming that just because somebody's been successful at this level as a coach, they're going to make it to the next level because that's what we do every year. But we don't uh, give that same olive branch a benefit of the doubt to any of the players. Look, I, I keep thinking about Scott Frost particularly and the pressure that has to be on a name that means that much to Nebraska. And for Nebraska fans watching their team realizing, hey, maybe the new reality is that in a good year, Nebraska is a six or seven win team. Maybe this is no longer the Bo Pelini 10-win sort of offenses and and defenses that we're going to be able to at least contend for championships. But moreover than that, maybe Scott Frost, as much as he is the poster child of Nebraska football, isn't just about Nebraska right now. Maybe this is about the entire landscape of college football. Maybe we should start treating the coaches like the players. And when we do that, we might see them through a much different prism. Will Scott Frost land in last in Nebraska, I should say, is going to be the big question that everybody's going to try and figure out. We're going to ask Bill Connolly about that and more observations from a wild week zero. Week one gets underway this weekend, and I think this might be the wildest season we've seen in ages in college football. We'll ask Bill about it next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. I got to admit, I have no idea why the guys picked this song, but it's hard for me to talk over Elton John. I don't care how many uh, how many farewell tours Elton John does. I'm in for all of them, every single one of them. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Oh, so, so good. Also, always, everything Elton John always makes me think almost famous. That's a movie you should just watch once a year for the rest of your life. Just telling you, just for the soundtrack. I don't know why I'm on this rant, but I am because I'm flying solo and I can't be. Jason Fitz flying solo, and obviously... We've gotten you caught up. The big news tonight, Jimmy G is back with the 49ers on one year on a restructured contract. He will stay there as the backup. We've gotten you some insight on that. And also, we've recapped a little bit of the Week Zero action, including what turns out to be a pretty uh, embarrassing loss for Nebraska fans as they watch Scott Frost find another way to blow a close matchup. So we're going to get some expertise from this and all things college football from Bill Connolly, one of my favorites, ESPN writer. You can follow him on Twitter at ESPN underscore Bill. See, Bill, always appreciate the time. I mean, just give me your reaction when you're sitting there and you see an onside kick in a game that feels like it's under control, knowing Nebraska and the way things always go. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, that's the thing. Like, I, I can I can justify it. I, I can, well, I can attempt to justify it. I was okay <laughs> with it in real time. But then after the game, he's like, yeah, if I could do it again, I'd, I'd take it back. I didn't, you know, basically said I didn't realize our, our guys would clam up if it went wrong. But, I mean, I think the last – 
he's he, even before that game, he was five and twenty in one score games. You should probably understand what makes his uh, his, his players uh, clam up a little bit. So, yeah, I felt less good about it once he tried to talk about it afterwards. Even if I like a good risk every now and then. You mentioned five and twenty in one score games, which was a big narrative for all of us on college football coverage over the course of the weekend. How do you turn that around if you're Scott Frost? Well, honestly, I mean, you can try to push the issue kind of like taking an onside kick up 11. I mean, I I understand what he was going for there. It really was just kind of a we're going to seize control of this. We're turning things around. We're going to change our fate. didn't work. (laughs) It it did the exact opposite. But, you know, there really is a a belief involved in those situations. I mean, I I love the numbers. I love the analytics. Uh, I love to tell you that. You know, momentum isn't really a thing like we think it is and all that stuff, but you watch this team play when a game turns on them like that. Uh, and, you know, the, even with a brand-new quarterback, Casey Thompson was brilliant the first two and a half quarters or so, and then he throws two picks down the stretch. And it really does seem like they just have to figure out a way to do it once, and maybe that'll kind of kickstart a streak of some sort. But, I mean, the good news is for them that they probably have a couple of easy games here. They, you know, they, they should win the next couple should. Uh, and then, you know, they get Oklahoma after that, and we'll see how things go from there. But, yeah, this was, this was a rerun. This was exactly what they didn't need. I will uh, steal this from David Pollock uh, so that, you know, Nebraska fans don't at me. Northwestern a lot smarter than Nebraska in getting the week off after this game because they don't have to play anybody this weekend. I don't feel like we're giving a lot of credit to Northwestern here. Like, they they went out and won a football game. What were your impressions for them? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the offense looks smooth. I, I It's it's hard to know, obviously, um, one game in. Like, at 10 games from now, we'll look at this result in it was completely different you know general like hindsight as to how everything went afterwards but they looked good on offense that was the best game they've looked you know just actual execution and intent and everything even with all the you know third and long run plays and everything this was uh they looked really good passing the ball and you know maybe that's because nebraska's defense is absolutely terrible it's like their second 500 yard game in the last 55 or something like that so i can't definitely say this was on northwestern just yet but they did you know they executed well and we know that nobody in college football bounces back from bad runs better than northwestern if he if pat fitzgerald has what he needs and gets just enough offense then you know, they can go three and nine one year or five and seven one year and then ten, win 10 next. And they, they're kind of on that kind of streak right now. So, yeah, we might, ten, a couple of months from now, we might look at this as just, it was another close loss. It was another set of miscues, but it wasn't a loss to a bad team by any means. We're talking to Bill Connolly, ESPN writer, Spain and Fitz, Jason Fitz, fine solo. One of the biggest stories of the weekend from college football had nothing to do with the team playing. It was Michigan as they're trying to figure out what to do with the starting quarterback. So it looks like they're going to start McNamara one week and then go a different direction week two. Uh, Make it make sense to me, Bill. I I, I always want to commend coaches for trying something different. Um, You know, that's so, so I don't want to say too many bad things. I also know, you know, if it hasn't really been done before, you know, maybe you're a genius. Maybe you're the first person to ever figure out how to really execute a quarterback battle, or maybe there's a reason it hasn't been done before. So I am, I'm curious here too, because Colorado state might be a heck of a lot better, especially defensively than Hawaii in week two. So, you know, Cade McNamara getting the start against Hawaii, maybe that actually works out well for him. We'll see, but I, 
Yeah, this is uh, I, I, I don't really know exactly how to describe this. It feels like he's just kind of punting on making the decision and, you know, letting the winds of letting the fact that they start to, with a pretty easy schedule kind of help him out a little bit. Let me be uh, cold and jaded here then. Uh, Cade McNamara and J.J. McCarthy splitting games that they're starting at quarterback does not equal competitive in my mind to C.J. Stroud in Ohio State. Does this prove that in some ways there's a larger moat than some of us are considering between where Ohio State is and where Michigan is this year? Yeah, I mean, you certainly could. I mean, the, it's it's going to be a weird situation where Cade McNamara comes in as a redshirt freshman, beats Ohio State, takes them to the playoffs, uh, and then has to like bounce back and forth and only start the even numbered games or whatever. That's maybe that's a, maybe this is all just a giant endorsement of his of McCarthy of, of the other guy. Maybe he's just that good and he'll. I, I do kind of feel like this was just a way of helping McNamara out a little bit before finally giving the 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 starting job to his former backup. But I do think. Um, <laughs> I don't think it necessarily matters who, who starts a quarterback for, for Michigan in the end because Ohio State does have much, much more experience than they do this year, and it's, it's probably going to be pretty hard for them to, to win two in a row no matter who, whoever is doing the, uh, taking the snaps. In addition to your great work with college football, I know you also work with tennis, and Bill, I'd be remiss to, to not ask you, with Serena uh, at the U.S. <laughs> Open tonight, uh, I, what should we be looking for in the sense of – so often in, in golf with Tiger, it feels like we're looking for a championship. You've got to go out and win something. For Serena, <laughs> should we be watching for a magical run or just watching to appreciate where she is right now? Well, I think early on here, especially in this match that just started, I mean, her, her serve, her second serve kind of abandoned her in these recent losses. And her movement, I mean, she just doesn't move like she did when she was 26. Who, who among us does? But um, I, I think if, if those two things are kind of clicking and she wins this first match, um, and, and she's moving well and, and winning big on her serve like we're used to her doing, then I think down the line this does become – she has to play the number two seed in the second round, but it's not a really dominant number two seed. Uh, she's racked up a lot of points outside slams. She hasn't really done much in slams. So that's – you can start to talk yourself into a number of wins here, but it, it really does. We just have not seen the second serve. We have not seen the movement, and until we do, this isn't going to be a very long run. Well, Bill, always appreciate your expertise. Follow him on Twitter at ESPN underscore Bill C. Thanks for the insight in everything. And if we can figure out how to make Michigan's quarterback battle make sense, I think you and I could <laughs> win a, an award for that. Appreciate you, Bill. Absolutely. This is – look, I, I'm not a hot take artist. I'm not trying to be a hot take artist. But when you got two quarterbacks at Michigan and you're looking over what we expect offensively from Ohio State – Man, I think the wheels are going to fall off on Michigan this year. And as a result, there's going to be a lot of yelling and screaming because I don't think last year's playoff run was the new rule. I think it was the exception to the rule. So, you know, at some point, I know Shefty's telling us the plan. At some point, you got to look at it and say, I have no idea what they're doing or how to make it work. All right, we've got a lot of NFL to get to, so I'm going to make a claim for this upcoming NFL season that doesn't work out. Look, I am absolutely out on one coach and one quarterback having the success that you think they're going to have. I'll tell you who it is next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Jason Fitz filling in. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. You know you've been all over the landscape of ESPN Radio for weeks on different shows. I'm so used to saying Jason Fitz filling in at the end that I just said that on my own show. Fitz, I'm playing I, solo. I, I was nervous that I, because I've been writing during my teases, filling in. So I figured, <laughs> oh, did I write this and you're just reading it? Ron Burgundy style? 
I, you know, here's the crazy thing about that, Devin. For anyone that only listens to this show, if you think that I've spent the last month off, you've got another thing coming. I've been working. It's just been at different times every day. So, you know, this is the uh, – uh, it feels good, though, for, you know, to be reunited with Dev and, and be having a little fun. It's Spade and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, uh, Jason Fitzfine Solo. And, you know, uh, I, God knows, everybody knows how much I love and respect Sarah. Uh, but since I'm flying solo tonight, Dev, what do you say that we get into some wild hot takes? You ready? For, like, because here's the thing. Usually if I suggested this level of wild hot takery, I might, Sarah might call me on it, but you're not going to. So let's go. We ready for this? Yes, we're ready for this. Are you ready for this? <laughs> I am all sorts of ready for this. Uh, here's the thing, y'all. We were looking through some of the numbers and uh, William Hill Sportsbook and Caesars, they've got some odds for us out there that I was looking through today. And, you know, I've been dabbling, obviously, as you know, and shameless plugs start next week. There'll be a, a little column out there on Tuesdays uh, to look for. I'll tell you more about it next week out on the chalk site from ESPN written by me. Uh, right. So I'm looking at all the numbers and Dev, I'm ready to make bold statements because one of the numbers that's out there that does not make any sense to me at all comes down to the MVP. And, look, I'm all in on Josh Allen right now, plus 650. Patrick Mahomes, plus 750. Tom Brady, plus 800. I am so out on Tom Brady winning the MVP, it's not even funny. Like, this is the most overrated, dumb odd out there just getting household money that's not paying attention and just sees the name Tom Brady. There is no way – Tom Brady, like you can save this record and clip it off. There is zero chance that Tom Brady is winning the NFL MVP this year. And for us to try and find some magical, mystical, choose-your-own-adventure path that gets him there is just asinine. Don't believe me? Just listen to Tom. I mean, at his press conference after missing 11 days of practice, this is what Brady said. It's all personal. You know, everyone's got different situations they're dealing with, so we all have really unique challenges to our life. And I'm 45 years old, man. There's a lot of going on so you know you just gotta try to figure out life the best you can and you know it's a uh continuous process so no tom i'm so sorry life's complicated when you're 45 i'm 45 dude you don't think we know that life's complicated my god i found out i have two half sisters an hour before show two weeks ago didn't even know about them thanks 23 and me like you are uh, complicated life's complicated for everybody can you imagine going to your boss and being like hey guys Man, I need 11 days off. Life's complicated. Right before something's due. Ah, sorry, guys. I need, I, I need time off. Telling you, this is an indication of something. If we're not allowed to give weight to anything that he says simply because the resume is Tom Brady, then why do we ever say anything about him at all? At some point, you've got to look at the body of work. The body of work for the Buccaneers says their offensive line is banged up. And I know the NFC is soft. I get that. Maybe he can run through the NFC. But you want to tell me MVP odds? You want to tell me he belongs in that conversation? Hell no. Think about the amount of street cred that's going to go to whatever quarterback gets overhyped that comes out of the AFC. If my beloved Raiders somehow win the AFC West, the amount of hype that's going to go on Derek Carr is going to be gross good. Fitz, right? Can I throw some odds at you right oh, yeah, now? Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, give so, me, give so me odds. we're give talking me odds. about odds. So what, what are the odds? Traditionally, this doesn't work out well for people who bet against Tom Brady. What are the odds that you are going to have to offer a Mia Copa like halfway through the season? Zero. Zero. Okay. I'm not Mia Culpa in anything. Like, if we're talking about Tom, I'm not saying Tom Brady won't be okay. Like, Tom Brady, he might have a good year. MVP. Like Josh Allen. Uh, I buy that. Devin, you buying Josh Allen MVP candidate? 100%, yes. All right. Number two on the list, Patrick Mahomes, plus 750. Yeah, no. No. 
No. I mean, Tyreek Hill's not going to be there. This offense is going to take a step back. The Chiefs are going to finish third in their division. He ain't winning the MVP. Next up, Brady at three. Eh, I already told you that. Aaron Rodgers? Who's he throwing to? Devin? Me? They're winning the MVP out of that. Devin, you think you could catch balls from Aaron? Probably better than his wide receivers, yes. (laughs) Now, at least at five, like Justin Herbert's at five on the list. I buy that one, plus 900. Yeah, I buy that one for Justin Herbert. I mean, the Chargers, I think, are going to win the AFC West. I think Chargers going to have a really nice year. And if they do that, Herbert's only going to keep throwing up more and more and more and more numbers. Plus, he's got that boiling up benefit of the doubt. Like, when you're a quarterback that's rising, all of a sudden you get that little boil that's coming up where everybody's like, yeah, this guy's going to be great. This guy's the next Brady, right? Once you're a Brady, now all you can do is win Super Bowls. Until then, oh, he's got that bu- bubbling up. Yeah, that's same with Burrow at six. He's bubbling up. Yeah, I mean, Joe Burrow took the Bengals to a Super Bowl last year, has a huge year this year. Oh, I'm buying those. I'm good with all of that. By the way, I mean, you go through the top 10, and I won't, I won't bore you with all of them, but my God, Kyler Murray at 10? Kyler Murray at 10. I don't even see Derek Carr on this list. This is stupid. Kyler Murray might, might sneaky be, you know, he's got a little he's got a little uh, revenge on his mind given the offseason. He could be a sneaky pick at plus 2,000. Yeah, I mean, if you like playing, you know, scratch-off lottery tickets, then it's a great idea for you. I mean, Russell Wilson's at 9 at plus 1,400. There's no more quarterback in the NFL this year more overhyped than Russell Wilson with the Broncos. Let's just call a fact a fact. Like, that, that, I'm out on that. Russell Wilson, even being in that conversation at that level is just dumb. Oh, oh, we are overhyping. And look, for everyone that thinks that now suddenly I'm taking one side in the Brady-Belichick debate, let me clearly say here, I'm out on Bill Belichick this year, too. I'm out on the the, 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 the Patriots completely. Out on the Patriots. They're, they're not making the playoffs. Their offense is putrid. Their offense is terrible. And, in fact, if you look at the NFL title odds, they got the Bills at plus 600, the Patriots all the way down at plus 4,000. I still wouldn't take them. I, the Patriots are not making the playoffs, not, not the least of which not going to the Super Bowl. I mean, at some point, I watched the preseason game with bias. Again, Raiders fan. Watched the preseason game. We all know that. I watched the Raiders' second and third defense, uh, string defense, absolutely annihilate starters from the Patriots. Like, it was, it was not fun. Uh, there is one playoff team in the AFC East, one playoff team. It's the Buffalo Bills. Everybody else squarely underneath this. I'm out on both of them. Like, at some point, as great as Brady and Bill were together, as much as we loved each of them together, they were a duo that had these magical results. And we've taken those magical results, and we're suddenly just using it as a reason to continually pump more and more and more expectation. I'm out on that. By the time it's all said and done, the AFC East is going to have one great team, the Bills. And the Bills this year are going to beat up on everybody else. The Dolphins are okay. The Patriots are not good. And the Jets are going to have the top pick in the draft, I think. No offense to Jets fans. I don't know how you say that without offending Jets fans. It's why you got to do that to me, man. I'm, 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 I'm sorry. Like, I'm sort of like, come on. You know the Jets aren't going to be any good, right? I don't like, think they're going to be any good. I don't think they're going to have the number one pick in the draft. Now, granted, I'm a Jets fan, so I mm-hmm. see these all with rose-colored glasses. But I think, you know, 6-11, and 7-10, and 10, that's usually not the uh, first pick in the draft. That's a top-10 pick for sure. I just, I have a hard time. Look, I, this is what I keep saying, and it doesn't make Jets fans like me anymore. The Jets are going to be better than they were last year and still have the worst record because their schedule is brutal. Like, the, the, the Jets' schedule is just brutal. If I'm sitting in Vegas where, you know, again, I say it all the time, the glitzy casinos aren't built because they're wrong. 
The Jets are going to be an underdog in like their first eight, nine, ten games. Something I, along those lines. It's going to be tough for them to win, even if they're better. I'm out completely on the Jets. The Jets, the Jags, and the Texans are all going to be bringing the lunchboxes to the actual teams going to work in the AFC this year. Like, that's that simple. I, I hope all three of them get better, but I'm out. The Jets going to be putrid. The Patriots are going to be a six-win football team, and the Dolphins are going to be sitting in mediocrity between seven and eight wins. And then you're going to have the Bills over here running away with it, and everybody's going to think that that means the Bills are destined for greatness because they beat up on a bunch of fluff. I still really like the Bills, and I think that they're a solid play. But, man, I I am out on Brady. I am out on Belichick. And it doesn't mean that they haven't accomplished great things. Like, you, I, look, you guys know my 80s rock love, right? Everybody knows that I love 80s rock. Devin, have you seen that Geico commercial that has, like, Slash playing uh, Sweet Child of Mine? Have you seen this? At, at any yes, point? yes, I have. Okay. He, it's not good. Like, it, it's not the best guitar playing we've ever seen. It doesn't mean that Slash wasn't great to me in the 80s. Sure he was. But, you know, there's a point where you can look at it and say he was great then. Now, it's not the best. Like, there's people on TikTok playing it better. No offense, Slash, but, like, at some point, you can look at it and say, no matter what your past performance was, I don't really care this year. Every year we say, we're not going to go out on Belichick. We're not going to go out on Brady. This year, I'm only looking at this year's results. And there are so many yeah buts for both of those, for whether it's for the coach or for the player, that what we should really be doing is longing for the days that they were together on the field at once. Serena Williams, by the way, up two games to one in the first set at the U.S. Open. We will keep you updated on how her match uh, plays out. In the meantime, obviously huge news in the NFL. Jimmy G is staying in San Francisco. What's it mean for Trey Lance? I disagree with a lot of our experts, and I'll tell you why next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Jason Fitz on my own show. Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.